0: This is CourageCast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Well, I am excited because I've got somebody from California on the line with me. Philip Andrew, welcome to the CourageCast. Hey, what's going on, man? Thank you so much for having me. I I made you get up at 7 a.m. your time
1: for this interview. You sound oh, great. It was it was easier. I just you know I told myself you know in, in California I was like you know we just party all the time. I had to stay up all night long. That's all it was. No, it's okay. it's, it's not a it's okay. not a big it's not a big thing. You know, it's one of those where um you know I've I've recently you know in, in the last year year and a half I've I've kind of jumped on the you know get up early get get the day started type deal awesome. so. You yeah, know, what? I, got, I what? got the water. I got the coffee. I'm good. I'm ready to go. Yeah, you look great. Um, <laughs> so,
0: so yeah. So, tell me about the California lifestyle uh, a little bit. Um,
1: how long have you lived out there? I have been in California for about nine and a half years now. So I am originally from, originally from Metro Detroit. I grew up in about, you know, about 10 minutes from downtown Detroit on the Southwest side in a, you know, little community just, you know, on the border. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then, you know, I moved out to California when I was about 23 years old and, you know, I had never been West of Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was one of those things where I didn't really know what I was getting into. And, you know, the L.A., you know, so I'm in Los Angeles and it's very funny because I had no idea. You know, growing up in the Midwest, California immediately brought certain stereotypes to my brain, right? Uh-huh. Like palm trees, uh, the beach, the ocean, Hollywood, celebrity, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get here, and, and while those things are here, I mean, Los Angeles, metropolitan Los Angeles is like 12 million people. Mm-hmm. Michigan is like 9 million, you know? It's like, and so it was one of those things where so often people get, you know, people from LA is one of those cities that people have an opinion about it without having ever been there. And then, you know, and, but when you get here, there are so many different people. There's so many different neighborhoods. There's so much opportunity, different things for you to do. There's no one, you really can't say, oh, well, Los Angeles is this. Right. Uh, and then in that sense, you know, San Diego's vibe is much different than Los Angeles' vibe, which is much different than, you know, Silicon San Valley, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I mean, my San Francisco, you know, they they joke, they voted on it, right? Like, might as well be different states because they're so different in, in the mentality and the way people interact with one another. Um And then, and as I say that, I immediately want to yell at myself and say, no, dude, we're still all people just trying to figure this thing out called life. So,
0: um,
1: you know, I, I think I love it out here. I I wish it were, I wish my rent weren't so expensive, but I mean, (laughs) Hey, deal with it. And, um, you know, it's pluses and minuses. and, And I absolutely love California.
0: So what, what brought you to California? Why at 23, did you want to move to California? Was it the, was it stuff you saw in the movies? Was it TV? Was it
1: entertainment industry? I got one of those emails from a prince in Egypt that I had <laughs> done a bunch of money and he told me if I, I got here, it was all fake. It was awful, but no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I moved
0: to Nigeria. Cause I, I, I got one I, of those emails. Yeah. I wanted to know this prince has just given
1: all this money away. I know. I know. And, uh, it's very attractive. It's so funny. Um, but, so, yeah, you know, for me, it was one of those things where I had always grown up loving entertainment, always had. And you know, as a young kid, grew up doing media productions in in middle school and in high school, did theater, uh, you know, my mother was really uh, it was really important for her, as for me to put me in environments where I would be in front of people speaking and up on stage. So it really helped me develop that out to where you know, I just loved, absolutely loved entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, so when i I went to Michigan State for TV and film. And as well as business, and you know, I got out to California, and it was it was just that. I mean, I always saw myself here. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing I'll say is I I loved entertainment, but I had no idea how different and segmented things could be. So, I've primal- primarily built my career in reality television and digital content. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different career paths than going scripted movies or going scripted television or you know only doing marketing videos or there's so much different things you could do and i had no idea mm-hmm. you know all i knew you know the the various stereotypical like just a kid with a dream moving <laughs> out to los angeles you know <laughs> i had no idea what i really wanted to do and i think that what what that has taught me is there's a lot of times in our lives where we get very caught up in Feeling like we need to have every aspect of the plan figured out. Mm-hmm. You know, we think that every step of the way needs to, to We have to be able to explain it all to someone, and and then when we can't, we think we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, and we yeah. don't think that it's for us. And oh my god, I need more research. And you know, it was funny. I I, I love this. Uh, I love this comic. I saw one time where it's a comic of a man. And it says, you know, a confused man stands in front of two doors and one door says heaven and the other door says books about heaven and he doesn't (laughs) know which one to do, you know. And I think so often that's so key in life, right, where we we want to, you know, we don't want to just leap and jump into things to where we're setting ourselves up for failure, but also that desire to, I need to know more. I have to have more figured out. I need to, hey, oh, I got to have all my ducks in a row and I got to know exactly how it's going to those questions can really paralyze us when we're trying to step into you know our our journey, our passion, our mission for our lives. And you know so for me it was really one of those things where I just knew, you know what? First step, I don't know step 8, 9, 10. I don't right. even know step 3, but step number 1 is I got to be in Los Angeles. Yeah. That's it. And mm-hmm. so then I just, you know, it I knew that I owned it and and then, uh, you know, loaded up the the Ford Explorer mm-hmm. and uh, and made my way out west. Wow! And no one—you knew no one. You know what? I so there were a handful of people that like I knew through college that I wasn't really Go friends ahead. with, mm-hmm. but I knew that they were kind of out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I knew that there were some people that had done it. Uh, I didn't really know anyone personally. I didn't have family. I didn't have like any really close friends. There were a couple of people that you knew It, oh Yeah, they moved to L.A. after they graduated or blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I knew I, you know, I won't say it was one of those things where I was like I showed up and there was not, you know, there was no support at all. I mean, the one thing I'll say about now, it is so we've got Facebook, you've got cell phones, you can stay connected with your fa- family, your friends. You know, it was one of those things where it's not like I was. It's not like a journey of our you know grandparents or great grandparents right. or whoever when they came over from you know I'm polish and Romanian, and last year I got a chance to actually go to Romania and and visit the little villages where my great grandparents were born and raised before they came to the u s mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and being there and thinking about that journey like getting on a donkey ride <laughs> on a wagon to then go and get on a po- a boat to go to this place you'd never seen a photo of you didn't know you couldn't commute it was like, yeah. that's crazy. Like, I got in a car and took a drive. Right. You know, like, it really wasn't that, that you know, you can always go back. So I think it was one of those things for me is, and just, you know, to throw it back on, on the listener that's maybe ever thinking about moving or, you know, you start thinking about. All the ways it won 't work mm-hmm. that 's not the place to be no. you know think about opportunities, you think about the possibilities there 's always options so it 's like don 't don 't focus on the problems there 's always a solution, and when you can focus your brain and make sure you 're always looking at a solution you 'll always find a way if your heart is in the right place mm, great advice, great advice um, okay so so this let 's go
0: back a little bit because you you now are. A TV producer, a blogger, a coach, an Emmy nominated TV producer, by the way. And I want to hear about that. You're a blogger, you're a coach, you're a motivating speaker. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how you got, tell me a little bit about the journey before you moved to LA. Uh, I know that you talk about some of those things, like your adolescent years. Sure, um, talk about some of some of the anxiety that you dealt with, and and some of the things that I've read about you that I'd love for our listeners to hear about.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, you know, the story kind of goes uh, as a lot of us right, like grew up a, a young kid, and you're just always, you know, you're trying to find your footing as a kid, you know, growing up and where do you fit in and what's what's this whole thing called life and for me, you know, growing up in Metro Detroit, I was I always joke, you know, I grew up on a street named Carroll Street. And <laughs> and I was the youngest kid on Carroll Street. You know, we had a lot of kids and I was the youngest kid. And because of that, I hung out with a lot of guys that were older than me, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight years older than I was. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, as a kid you're trying to fit in with your peers, but you're, you know, hanging out with the older kids, I really really, really, really wanted to fit in. I wanted to be cool enough. I wanted to be funny enough. I wanted to be smart enough. I wanted to be cool enough to be with those guys because I looked up to them. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, you know, you you develop a little bit of, you know, a little bit of just like you're in your head. Mm -hmm. You're trying to figure it out, even at a young age. You know, we're talking six, seven, eight years old, trying to, you know, show up and be cool with those guys and, you know, kind of got a little bit, you know, I was definitely susceptible to peer pressure. You know, I remember one time I, uh, the kid up the block, a kid named Danny who wasn't, wasn't part of the cool kids on the block. And Danny came up and the older kids could, you know, we were playing wiffle ball or, you know, baseball in the street. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the older kids convinced me that, you know, Phil, it's a good idea to, uh, to take this baseball bat to Danny's bike. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, you know what? That's a cool thing to do. And, uh, and everyone thought it was really cool except for my father and for Danny. And, uh, and then my dad, you know, my dad shows up and, you know, it wasn't good. And, And, you know, the funny thing, so my father, my father's a retired police chief from Metro Detroit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, aside from trying to always show up and be cool and and have the anxiety of wanting to fit in with with my peers and with kids that are older, I've got a father that's pretty well known in the community. My mother was Mm -hmm. also involved at school board, uh, so people knew the last name. Mm -hmm. And as a little kid, I developed this idea that, man, what I do is really important. Mm -hmm. Everyone is really paying attention to me and my family. So, you know, I need to get I've got to be an all A student. Mm-hmm. I need to be the captain of the football team. I need to be the guy who's scoring the winning touchdown. I need to be all these things. Yeah, it's so a lot of pressure.
0: I, well, you know, and it's crazy was it to unspoken think. Unspoken pressure,
1: though. One hundred percent. My mm-hmm. parents never put that stuff on me. Mm-hmm. Teachers never put that stuff on me. And and if anything, it was you know the you know I, you you start to almost become a little bit of the poster child because you're trying so hard. You're you know my my parents were teaching me how to you know talk with other people and but in my head, I as a little kid you start to develop that mask right yeah. the difference between who you are and what you're how you're showing up to everyone else those yeah. deep thoughts that are inside of you versus what you're showing everyone yeah. right So that little mask, I'm starting to work on that mask and I'm developing that mask out and it's it's the me it's the filled, the insecure, the kind of you know mm-hmm. unsure of himself uh, but then when I'm in public, you know, I'm, I'm loud and I'm, I'm fun and I'm, I'm smart and I'm, I work hard and I study and I work, do it sports and, and that's who I'm showing you that I am. And are you convinced yet? You know, that type (laughs) of thing. yeah And so that continues, you know, and, and where it all kind of starts going out is, or where things start to get interesting is, you know, at 15, 16, 17 for my friends, when they start drinking, I'm 11. Mm. So I'm, I'm with these guys and boom, all of a sudden, I'm 11 years old, and I'm drinking at a party with older kid. Wow. You know? really? and, it's, and it was one of those things where I drank, and I, a couple things happened. A, just the chemicals start messing with you, right? You're, sure. I'm 11. I'm underdeveloped. And, and hey, man, if you're 35 and you're drinking a lot, like, it's affecting how you think. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in a spot where I'm not in my head now. Mm-hmm. I'm in the moment. It, it let me – I didn't know how to get there by myself, but when I would drink, it put me in a spot where I was like, oh, I don't care right now. I'm right. just in this thing with these people, and I'm not worried if you like me and blah, blah, blah. And also then I saw the way that kids would, oh, who's this kid? He's – oh, oh, that's funny, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. so I thought that that was – you know, in my, my little brain, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool that I was drinking at that young age. And, and it was one of those things that, you know, my, I don't think my parents, you know, I know my parents weren't, we've talked obviously a lot about it since, uh, you know, they're not thinking, Hey, I got to make sure my 11 year old's not drunk coming home from hanging out with his buddy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think there were some times where it it just went unnoticed because they weren't, they weren't even thinking in that mindset of like, yo, I need to, that would, they weren't even thinking that was something they need to be concerned about yet. Mm -hmm. And so I'm drinking 11, 12, 13. And, uh, when I'm, you know, one day I, I remember I'm sitting with, uh, my mom, ma- my mom had gone to the hospital cause she had some gallstones. And so my dad had taken her to the hospital. My dad came home. We were, we were kind of hanging out, me and my sister, and my dad, and we're sitting at the dinner table and, uh, we're, we're laughing and we're joking and, and we're having a good time. And then all of a sudden it was like, I saw my dad's face, my face or his face just completely changes. And he walked over and he turned the television off. And it was just silent. And I immediately knew something's wrong. And, and my dad just says, and he's like fighting the tears. And he's like, look, guys, uh, your mother doesn't have gallstones. She has cancer. Mm. And you know, I'm 14. And we're just sitting at the table bawling our eyes out. And we cry, and we hug, and we do that whole thing. And then I put my basketball jersey on and I go and I play a basketball game. And and that was my way of dealing with it was I'm going to suit up, I'm going to put on my armor, mm-hmm. and you're not gonna know what's going on underneath because right. it it sucks there mm-hmm. and it hurts, and that's and that's not part of the mask that I've been developing for years, mm-hmm. and you're not gonna get to see it. And then, so, you know, we, we did a, a year-long battle. Uh, my mother did, and she ended up passing away from cancer mm. a week before my 16th birthday. Wow. So, so now you've got a kid who's got some social, anxi- <laughs> social anxieties. Mm. You've got a kid who doesn't really feel like he's, you know, like he's completely understood or at least being seen. You add the, you know, the death of a parent on top of it yeah. and you, you you mix in some alcohol and man, I'm just a perfect storm, you know, yeah. and it really was. And I'm just, and it, and it became a situation where, you know, I, I didn't want people to, you know, I just, Hey man, yeah, it sucks. People die. It, you know, it is what it is, bro. That's life. Yeah. Right, all right, right. cool, you know, you become kind of hardened to it mm-hmm. and you know, people say that all the time we hear that like, Oh yeah, he's gotten really hard to that. It's like, you know what? I wasn't any, I wasn't hard. It was just the outside. It was, was. just the exterior. It was sure. just the exterior. Like deep down, man, was I sad and broken mm-hmm. and hurt, and and I didn't know how to, and I didn't know what to do with those emotions. So for me, what had I been doing for the last four, five, six years when I didn't feel? I just drank. Sure. So for me, it was like I wanted to. You know, I wanted to drink. I wanted to party. Let's, you know, let's just chase fun. You mm-hmm. know, y- YOLO, right? Like, okay, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. only live once. Let's do this thing. Right. And it led to, you know, it led to a lot of, um, you know, uh, m- just a lot of ridiculous behavior from a, you know, from getting into fights, from being, um, you know, not being the you know, not really being a, a strong moral compass when it came to, you know, being sexual and um, you know, I just wasn't I, I was violent and would you know, drinking and driving was a massive thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and it was like, you know, in hindsight I look back and it was like, man, what a cry for help. Because, you know, here you are, you're a kid driving around drunk in the town, your dad's a retired police chief in. Yeah. Right? You're yeah. just like you're like begging for it. Mm-hmm. And um and, you know, I had a lot of incidents where, you know, it crept up, you know, and it was, you know, 18, I, I crashed my car, 19, I got arrested, 20, I got arrested. Uh, and, and, it, you know, I got into some fights where, you know, I got hospitalized for, you know, I had to get staples in my head for, uh, I, I hit my head in some, on some metal in the middle of a fight mm. and, um, you know, opened my head up and, you know, all these different things. And um, none of it really seemed to to kind of click. And, when I was, you know, I just, and, and here's the crazy thing the mask was still working well. Mm-hmm. You know, I was still on the honor roll. I was making uh, the dean's list wow. once I got, I was making the dean's list once I got to, I went to Michigan State University. Mm-hmm. I was on the dean's list at Michigan State. I graduated college in three and a half years. Wow. So I was still in, in what, in the problem with that was I was allowing, I was allowing these little successes and areas of my life overshadow this massive problem that I was ignoring. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it really was I, I was like I said, I just had that mask on. And and the more and I, I kind of describe it as like the farther and farther that those two people got from each other, you know, the farther that who Philip really felt he was deep down. Yeah now I'm being weird because I'm speaking in the third person. But when <laughs> that person I really thought that I was deep down, um The farther that got from the person I was allowing everybody to see, Mm -hmm. the more and more I felt isolated. Because even if I got an accolade, even if somebody said, oh, man, Phil, you're this, in my head, it wasn't, oh, that's a compliment for me. In my head, it was like, oh, that's a compliment for this person I've created.
0: Oh, so you couldn't even
1: receive it. Couldn't even receive it. The person you created could receive it. Yes. <laughs> I, so, so you're talking in, and, and, and what does that mean? That means everything. That yeah. means appreciation. Uh, th- that means love. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely elements of self-hatred in there for, for the shame and the guilt of things that I had done. And, 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 you know, it was one of those things where I'm getting ready to, so I graduate from college, I'm getting ready to move to California and 11 days before I move, I get pulled over by the own, by the newest police officer on the force that doesn't recognize the last name right and and boom i get my dui mm. and there was it's funny because like in that moment you think your life is over right like because right, it, sure. it hadn't set in yet mm-hmm. but then after a few days there was like an overwhelming feeling of relief mm because i knew i knew deep down there was a problem i knew something was up i knew there were the, like i knew i just wasn't happy i had a lot of feelings that when, you know i had never done counseling i hadn't done any of that stuff i knew i needed something and getting that dui was i could blame the state of michigan mm-hmm. you know i could say oh well i'm going to i'm doing you know aa or doing 12 step or doing these things because the courts you know, I was 23. I didn't really have that. I didn't have that strength yet to be like, hey, you guys, I actually really think I have a problem with alcohol and I need to get this figured out. It was, oh, yeah, man, I got to go to these meetings because of the courts. Mm. But then in those meetings, man, in those meetings, I was experiencing so much un, um, so much love, you know, for I think for so long. And, and here's the crazy thing. And, and I always want to say this. None of this was ever put on me. My parents never told me these things. They never made me feel like they never did anything that would make me feel like I I needed to earn love. They always freely gave love. But I still developed this. Mm -hmm. And I developed this idea that I needed to do something to earn your love, your respect. And I thought everything needed to be earned. And, And I needed to prove it. And I needed to prove why I was worthy of of enjoying it, and and that's obviously that's a big story, uh, you know. You'll find that very correlating with with my relationship with God as well for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that I needed to earn it. And when I got to those meetings, and there were people there, and they just wanted to care about me, and they loved me, and they were strangers, mm-hmm. and it didn't matter what I said, it didn't even re- re- matter who I was or what I did. They loved me. And it was because and I saw for the first time people that were strangers that were making a decision to love people, and it was more about themselves than about somebody else needing to earn that love. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna love this person because I like them, X, Y, and Z. Sure. It was I'm gonna love people because I've made a decision that I'm gonna love all people. Mm -hmm. And it was it was really powerful. And, and it, it was life changing. And like now it's, you know, now it's been over 10 years that I've been sober. Um, I'm still very active in that community. I speak at rehab facilities. I speak at prisons or I speak in jails. And, um, and I'm, man, I, I owe so much to that. Uh, so, oh, so much to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I could keep going, but I'm gonna let you jump in because I, I, sometimes I can talk really long. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I
0: absolutely enjoyed, I was just listening and just being really enthralled in the whole story and kind of involved and in putting myself there in that in your shoes, you know, at twenty three, um, you know, I have a son who's sixteen. I have another son who's eighteen, and I often wonder, you know, what's going in going on inside of those boys, yeah, because uh, they don't let you in all the time, you know. Yeah. They're very they're very to themselves, and I I remember the way I was, and there was a lot going on that
1: never was expressed on the outside. Totally. So I, I it's it's just that that, it's that environment too, right? Like there's so many things that, um, you know, it's like the first time, you know, the first time that you feel something or you think something and then you hear someone else get made fun of it and you're like, Whoa, Hmm. I don't want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, I don't, Oh man, I don't want to, I don't want, Oh man, he just got called this. And and I see the other way the guys are talking about him, and like, Oh man, I don't want to, I'm not going to do that. Or, or even, you know, I, um, you know, I won't dive too deep into it, but like even, you know, when I think about like, you know, sex and, and what as a kid being in high school, what that started to mean. Yeah. And it was like, you know, it wasn't even about the first time that like, you know, I actually kissed a girl that it was uh, that was when that relationship with that idea started. It was the first time that I I saw a group of guys, you know, the first time I saw a group of guys sitting around and talking about a guy that had had sex mm-hmm. and yeah. seeing the admiration that they were how they talked about him and in in that and it shapes your brain as a sure. as a kid that like oh man this is something that you know and especially when you're in a state where you're trying to trying to fit in and you want to be a part of the cool kids crowd and you want to be a part of connection with other people and you see Someone getting an admiration for those things—it's easy to be like, oh well, I guess I need to do that. Yeah, you know, I, I needed, I need to do that thing, and then guys will think that I'm cool, mm-hmm. and, you know. And it's like it gets, it gets so warped. And the problem is if you're, and when we're not sharing those things and we're not talking to kids about that stuff, you know, they're just, you know, trusting each other. And you know, even I've had times where, it, as a, as a older, you know, as an older guy, you get in a spot where. It's so easy, and especially with social media now it's so easy to get in the comparison game, sure and and not only comparing yourself to uh, you know it's dangerous to compare yourself to other people, but it's also c- dangerous to compare yourself to what you thought you should be or where you should be in your life, yeah, and I had a moment where I had to stop and And really think, you know, you, I would, you know, coming up on 30 and, you know, normally your birthdays and some of these things end up being big landmarks and you kind of start reevaluating everything. Am I where I should be? Am I on the path? Blah, 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 (laughs) you know? And, um, I had a moment where I was like, you know what? There is not a 13 year old kid in the world that I am ready to take life advice from. Uh huh. So, why in the world am I trying to live up to some expectation that thirteen year old phil had Wow, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know he hey, it was a nice kid, but he has no clue what was going on. he doesn't sure. know it, you know sure. and it's like so for me to i think sometimes you know as we get older, we have to evaluate like these these ideas of life that we thought, right? Or any time we get in that like shoulds, yeah, right? Or yep. if only, mm-hmm. if only this, or like, you know, this is the way it should be. And ask yourself why? Why should it be that way? Mm-hmm. Because it's not. And and so aren't we, Aren't don't we try to learn and don't we get taught that we're good where we're at, mm-hmm. wherever we're at. Now, that doesn't mean that you can, you should be complacent in life. Like we should always want to, want to better, you know, be, you know, to, to grow and to progress and be able to, you know, progress and love other people and be able to show up. And we want our careers to flourish and we want our relationships to flourish. And that's fine. That's all good and fine. You can be ambitious and still have content in your life and content in your heart for where you're at. Yeah. yeah. Still want more without needing it. It's about being, yeah, being present, being able to
0: stay present in your current situation, your current moment. Um but also be knowing that you are an ambitious person and that you you can move forward um, and grow and, and desire to grow. those are those two things can still be in the same person at, at the same time, right? Oh, totally.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, and that's the other thing. Some, sometimes we don't right like no one's on social media sharing their failures, right, right? Like no one's on there doing that. So it's important to grow. I think it's really important to develop your team of the people that you are constantly doing life with, that you can be able to share these things with, share the insecurities, uh, share your goals with, share the ways you don't think it's going to go well, share your tactics, your strategy. We need accountability partners in life. We're meant to do this thing together. Right. Yep. So it's like, if you've got goals, if you're finding moments where it's difficult for you to, uh, to push through on your own, develop that strong team Mm -hmm. of who are those people you can go to. And not only that you can lean on, but that they can lean on you. I, you know, service is such a pillar of life for me. Mm -hmm. And so much of life in my happiness changed when I started finding ways to be of service to others. And when you do that, it really, I don't know, something just shifts. You start, you feel strong community. You don't isolate. You feel like you've got a team you're building together. Uh, it's amazing. Well, tell me about that. Tell me how
0: you're, you talk about the pillars. So that's one of them. What do you, what do you do to serve?
1: Um, you know, for me, service is, it really is everything. It's so important. And you know, for me, it's everything from just being accountable at, you know, my, I have weekly, um, you know, I have my weekly meetings for, for recovery that I go to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I speak actually later on today, I will be speaking in, uh, in one of the LA County, uh, LA County jails. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I go back and I try to talk with guys and, and share the story. Um, you know, being able to show up and, and talk with kids that are new in, into recovery, that's another way that I mm-hmm. serve, mm-hmm. um, you know, also going into, you know, I go into high schools and I speak with, you know, high schools as well as college students about, you know, some of these things, my story, uh, what it means for, for them, what, what, what can they learn from it. I also, I have my team of guys. Like last night, I, I've got four other guys that we meet every Monday. Mm-hmm. And we get together and we talk about, hey, what's our highs of the week? What's the lows of the week? What's going on in your world? How's your marriage? Mm-hmm. You know how's your friendships? How's the dating life going? What's happening at job? What what are some relationships that maybe you need to get rid of? What what relationships do you want to develop? You know we are, we we show up and we are there for each other, and in a way that it, it's just and you know here's another thing that has helped me, and this is a little bit more of a macro idea than like the micro, just the small little you know these little things that I'm doing. Yeah, but there's I draw you know, I grew up being very people pleasing. Mm-hmm. I grew up wanting you to like me. I grew up feeling like I needed to earn that from you. And when I do that, and when we do that, we're putting people on a pedestal. We're giving them part of our, you yeah. know, the power that we have, the yeah. the um, the strength that we have to be able to develop our own self-esteem and our self-worth. We're handing it to other people. Yeah. And we're saying, hey, will you please tell me that I'm good enough? Will you tell me these things, which those are all things that, you know, we have been called and been given as, as, you know, humans, as beings here. And so I had to make a shift from being people pleasing to serving people. And I tried to draw a very distinct line between those two things. And I say, who am I being right now? Am I being people pleasing? Am I trying to prove that I'm cool? Am I trying to prove that I'm smart? Am I trying to make you like me? Am I trying to earn something from you? Mhm. Or cuz I don't like that guy. Yeah. That's that's the little that's the little kid Phil. That's mm-hmm. the kid that is insecure and doesn't know how to be himself and is struggling to find his place and his way. Yeah. Service Phil how do I serve these people? How do I serve the next conversation I have? Yeah. How do I show up? How do I make it more about them and less about me? Mm-hmm. And it's not codependency and codependency is a very different thing. Um, and it's, it's not done out of, Oh my God. Cause it, cause it's not done and I'm i going to act like I'm serving you so that you'll like me. Cause then right. that's still people pleasing. Right. But being truly service oriented and it's like, you know, How does that how does that show up in other areas of my life? When I'm with my friends, I'm thinking, how do I serve them powerfully? Mm -hmm. How do I listen? How do I how do I provoke advice? How do I provoke thoughts? How do I show up and and help them? When I walk, you know, as a TV producer, I'm constantly going from job to job to job Mm -hmm. because it's all freelance. So you're always interviewing. Yeah. When I walk into an interview, I always am thinking, I'm not thinking, how do I show how do I prove to them that I'm a good hire. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. not my mindset. I don't think, what do I need to say to make them like me so that they'll hire me? No, I don't think that way. I walk in, I go, how do I serve these people? Mm -hmm. How do I walk in here powerfully and and make their job easy of finding someone for this show? Mm -hmm. I need to just go in here and I'm just going to be the most powerful version Mm -hmm. of myself. I'm going to be the most powerful version of myself and serve them in a way and if that works and if that's who what they like then they'll hire me. And if not, it doesn't matter because I know I did what I needed to do which is serve other people. Yeah. So I take that into everything I do when it's in, when you know, it's easy to want to get nervous when you're about to walk into a jail and talk to prisoners. It's easy to walk in and think, "Oh my God, these guys are going to judge me. These guys are this thing. They're harsh. They're tough. They're this. They're from tougher neighborhoods than me. They're going to see. They're going to see my my nicely styled hair and not like me. You know, <laughs> you know that's me being people. Hey, don't people.
0: ever be. Yeah, but don't ever be apologetic about nice hair. You know what I'm saying? It's right? important. That's that's
1: my whole thing, right? It is. Yes. And, uh, and but when I'm, you know, when I walk in that room and I go, you know what? It isn't about me. It's about me going in there and it's about serving these guys. It's about me telling them a message. That's my message. And hopefully maybe one of the guys it resonates with. And that's all I can do is I can serve them in a pot. And it is a, it's such a perspective in a mindset shift that it has made so much difference for me Yeah. because it's me, it's me, it's the difference between going from a, a place of feeling less than and looking for other people to be able to va- validate that it's a difference between that versus already feeling and knowing my value and being willing to give that to other people yes and it's just a completely different way of living life yeah uh, and philip you're you're exactly right and you're
0: hitting it um, you're you're hitting a bit of my story there because i like you have been a people pleaser so much of my value and worth came from what other people thought of me and for such a long time and that's why i started this podcast is when i finally came out of that and understood who who i was or understood myself better then you can begin to make that turn and for everybody it's different uh, different times or stages of their lives but if you go around I think if everybody could hear what you're saying and take a look, be a little bit more self-aware in what areas of your life, at what times of your life are you, are you operating from a place of needing to feel good about yourself from another person versus, so in other words, wanting to receive versus wanting to give to that person out, out of already the fullness of who you are that's that's a big difference and if you're not if you're doing that if you're needing worth and value gain your value and your worth from other people then what is that where can you get and receive that where do you receive it philip where do you receive it in your life where do you get your worth and your value and you know what was the process of that was it through the aa meetings understanding your relationship with god understanding That was
1: big. You know, I was so, I was so angry with God. So angry. You know, I grew up, uh, you know, I grew up and we would go to, you know, a Presbyterian church. And uh, my mother was Catholic. She was raised Catholic, very Catholic. And then, you know, when we got old enough to go, we kind of faded away. We didn't have to. And then my mom got sick and it was like, I was really angry, man. It was like, you know, really, God? Mm-hmm. My mother was faithful for all these years. She, she and you take her. Yeah. Really, you know my I, my mindset of God was this angry little kid on an ant hill with a magnifying glass. Yeah. And and I I always believed in God. I always knew there was something bigger. I I didn't. I, I wanted to be an atheist. I really did. <laughs> I tried for a long time to not believe, but I always I always believed. But you know, even to a point where I had a friend of mine. And I've had to apologize. I've apologized many times to him for it. But, you know, I had a friend who was really involved in his uh, in his youth group and he was a Christian friend of mine. And man, I got a couple of drinks in me and I would seek him out at a party to just try to destroy and bash God. Mm. Why this? Then why this? How can how can you believe in this God? How can you praise this God when this is happening, when this is, you know? And I was just so angry and so frustrated. And when I started to to get to AA, and it was, you know, there's, you know, obviously a God, God-based program and a higher power, and I started to redefine the relationship with God, and I started to redefine this God from a God that is here to, 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 to judge me and that doesn't like me and does, and that, you know, punishes, and I started to learn how to talk to Him like a friend, talk to Him in a way that was, um, you know, I could just talk with God. Mm-hmm. And I could just have my higher power, and I could just speak to it, and 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 adjust everything that I in question what I thought I knew about that relationship. And you know, I'll tell you what, you know, in recovery circles, the the main the main prayer that is said is the serenity prayer. Yeah, you know, God grant me grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. That that prayer. Man, talk about, you know, another pillar of my life, especially in early sobriety. I used to say that thing six, seven times a day yeah. because it's so, you know, even, you know, and you think about it from a standpoint of what does it mean? God, grant me the serenity. I want to be serene. I want peace mm-hmm. to to accept the things I can't change. Great. So there's a lot of things in this world I can't change, tons. Every person outside of me is outside of my realm of control. I can't control those people. They're their own people. So I can't control the traffic. I can't control the uh, you know the I can't control every aspect of the government. Now sure can I work towards things and can I have goals and can I can I be influential? Yeah, sure. But controlling you know, the, the way we think of controlling is having pure, no, I don't have control over those things. Mm-hmm. So if I don't have control over those things, then I need to just accept those things. Yeah. And I can't, I can't sit now, now I'm accepting life on life's terms. I'm okay, this is what life is. Cool. I get it. And then it's okay. Well then having the courage, having the courage to change the things I can. not Oh, okay. So when I realize that there is something that is in my control, I got to have the courage. I ask God for the courage to step into that. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is, you know what? Of all the things, I just i just made a list of all the things going crazy in my, in my life right now. And, and out of these 10 things, I noticed nine of them are outside of my realm of control. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That means I need to accept those. But you know what? That one, that one is inside of my realm of control. So what do I need to do? How about I toss it up to God and I ask for the courage to be able to start working on some change for it? Mm-hmm. And then... And then the the powerful spot, right? The wisdom to know the difference, and that's really where it gets it. And that's the question: Is all right? You're upset about something. You're mad at your kid for something. Great. Mm-hmm. What can you what 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 in that is part of your control? What's not? Mm-hmm. What can you control? What can't you control? Yeah. And and really, I think that we, as people, we get, we all struggle with control so much because we want life to be how it should be. Oh man, if these people, if my boss would just act this certain way, or if the teacher would just be this way, or if, mm-hmm. if anyone would just be this way, if only, if mm-hmm. only this, if only I were taller, if only I were more attractive, if only I had been born into a more, uh, uh, uh had better parents, if only I had a better job, if on, if onlys and shoulds, those are, you know, ask yourself, they don't, do anything, yourself, for you. they don't yeah. do anything for you and ask yourself, Are these in your control? Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's really what so much helped me with was really starting to identify what is in my control, what is not in my control, and then how do I, when it is in my control, step into it? Mm -hmm. You know, how do I own, how do I step into responsibility and start taking responsibility for myself, Mm -hmm. for my actions, for the way that I want to behave and how I show up? And, you know, I always, I I tell people frequently, the way you were raised right like maybe you had great parents maybe you didn't you know every parent has holes in their game because they're human yeah and and it's you know the ver- the rarity that there's there's no perfect parent out there so you're not we're not we're not at fault for the way that we were raised right it wasn't on us however as adults we do have a responsibility to make sure that we are maturing and that we are finding maybe some of the gaps that we missed as as we grew up what were some of the areas that we need to work on are we are we quick to anger why let's start working on that are we are we really judgmental do we not feel loved do we not offer love to others do we feel entitled like we have to look at ourselves and you talk about it Great with self-awareness we start to ask ourselves questions and then you start to kind of work through it and then the thing with it you know, we have the responsibility of doing that. And a lot of times people hate the word responsibility because it feels like obligation. It doesn't feel fun. You know, it it feels like, oh man, like I have another responsibility. I have enough. Phil, don't give me more responsibility. I already got this and that. (laughs) I got to take care of this. And you know, I got, leave me alone. I got this car payment I got to handle. And, but I heard someone one time say, it was really, and it's not even that crazy of a, it's not that mind blowing of, of a way of thinking, but it really hit me hard. like, Responsibility is the ability to respond. Mm-hmm. It's, and okay, so if I'm, I need to be responsible for the way that I behave, the way that I act, the way that I think, great. If I'm going to be responsible for that, if I'm going to accept responsibility, that means I have an ability to respond to these things. Mm-hmm. I have an ability to respond to the lack of courage, I have a, the lack of morality, the lack of. Um, you know, love the la- whatever that is. Hey, I have the ability to respond to it now. Yeah, you can. That's right. You can play and your it, part in it. You can play your mm-hmm. part in it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, man, this is really really good. Um, I wish we had more time, Philip, but I have to run. Uh, but yeah, this is a this has been um so good. Um, the the kid from Carroll Street, uh, right. has has really grown up, and is not only are you making a contribution. To your community where you are, um, but I believe you're you're really making a contribution to the world and what you're in what you're doing, how you're speaking, what you're what you're speaking about, and I, I want for you nothing but favor and um, growth and and more reach and uh, more of your message um, to get out there to man to everybody, man, and that's that's
1: my prayer for you. Hey, thank you so much, Eric. I, mm-hmm. I greatly appre- i appreciate that. And mm-hmm. you know, with in in the exact same for you, my friend. I mean, just the speaking on courage and and bringing you know creating this podcast and, and being able to to speak to other people and, and and to share these stories. I mean, you're doing the work, and, and I really and, and it's not easy. And I think you know sometimes people, unless you're in this, you don't realize how much work goes into it. And so. I mean I greatly appreciate you Eric and I just I thank you for letting me come on and and talk and uh man I really appreciate you so thank you. Absolutely. So uh the website is philipandrew.co
0: philipandrew.co I couldn't uh, I couldn't afford the M you could not afford the M. Not many of us can, my friend. It's a t- It's that one letter. It just makes it home uh, much more expensive. Yeah. Um, so you can learn all about uh, Philip that way um, as a speaker. I know you speak in various different venues um, mm-hmm. all around the world. Uh, you have um, your own blog that you're that you're talking about these issues. Of course, TV shows. Uh, what are you working on right now? Anything in particular? I see you've got some experience with. Working on YouTube Red, CBS,
1: CMT, VH1, a bunch of stuff. You've done a lot of of cool stuff, man. Um, You know everything from you know that's the fun thing. Everything from like food shows and dating shows to then doing things that are you know psychology based. Yeah, um, things that are really really you know intellectual, really high concept, and you know. And then every now and again, you're throwing a wedding show. So it's (laughs) like really you know. I just I I feel very lucky that I've just been able to you know get access. And that's what it is. I love people. You know, and at the core of everything, that's what it is. I get to work with awesome people. I get to learn about people's lives. I get to, you know, document their lives and show what's going on in the world and hey man, not every not everything can be an, you know, an Emmy nominated show and every now and again you'll do a project that um you know, here's the one thing I'll say about my job that I learned. It's if I'm allowing the job I'm working on to to dictate how I feel about myself, I am then at the mercy of the industry i 'm mm-hmm. at the mercy of other people creating projects and what they 're at yeah when I get my value that 's attached to my job title yeah that 's not the strongest me no. when i when I think about where does my no i 'm not a TV producer and then i 'm not a speaker and i 'm not i 'm not all these I am Philip Andrew first, and I know where my strength and my power comes from. Mm-hmm. And then from there, everything else is underneath that umbrella. Yeah. So I show up in my job, I show up when I'm you know speaking, I show up as a coach, I show up in all these different ways. I lead with that person at the top, and I know who I am in that stuff. So then I'm not susceptible to when the industry is being crazy or when, you know, when if there's a downtime at work, you know, for some of you guys, if you're in sales and like sales are low, our identity isn't in those things. Yeah, it's It's in a different place. It's in something bigger. And and so I have always felt like that's helped me out even when I'm working on projects that are like, Oh, it's just, you know, it's just a show that people come home and watch and they get, and they kind of, you know, zone out for a little bit. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, not, not out here saving the manatees, but <laughs> you know, but there's moments <laughs> that when, is an important yeah, you, job though. It is an important job. If you're to listening to this, if you're listening to this, turn it off and go save those manatees. They need you. <laughs> they do. Go, save, go save those manatees. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it's always, you know, think about it. You know, if I could leave everyone with one thing, you know, think about what, where are you putting your identity mm-hmm. and what, where are you putting that and what are you allowing, what are you allowing to impact the way you feel about yourself and who you are? Yeah. Cause, you know, we're called to only get that identity from, from one place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, like I said, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, Eric. If anyone, hey, if anyone you guys are still listening, you want to reach out, it's uh, philipandrewla at gmail.com. Okay. Also on all the social media stuff, it's, you know, at philipandrewla. So I'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, man, I just, this has been fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on, my man. Oh, man. Uh,
0: the pleasure is all mine. Philip, I wish you the best. God bless you. And I hope to get, stay in touch with you and see what you're doing and uh, 100%. encourage you along the way. Hey, thank you, brother.
1: You have a great day, man. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye.